dark save for light being cast from the big tv screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning hey george hey lines how's it going going pretty good i uh i thought all week about how to open this episode and for a while i was kind of rattling this joke around in my head that i couldn't quite nail the phrasing for which was like how I was like worried that I didn't play the right game because the name of this game is all like punctuation and Roman numerals. And I was afraid I confused it with something else, but I just, I couldn't really nail the the phrasing down. And uh, when I was grabbing the Wikipedia link for this game, uh, I noticed that the genre is listed as racing slash vehicular combat. And I decided I'd just rather talk about that <laughs> because that means that this game is in the same category as Twisted Metal, which we played for another episode. And I think that's amazing. Wouldn't that also put it in the same as like Mario Kart? Yeah, which I also would not have described as vehicular combat until now. Well, I think I think I mean, not to be too graphic, but I think it's because most of the time when you hear the word vehicular, it's followed by manslaughter. Yes. Know? Yes, it sounds so, very violent because of that yeah, association. Exactly. So ve- vehicular, you're like, I mean, surely they're not going to say manslaughter. And it's like, you know, vehicular combat. And you're like, uh, not not as far away as I wanted it to be. Like, <laughs> it wasn't like vehicular fun times. It's like vehicular combat. Yeah. 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 So we played. <laughs> we played r.c.pro-mii. Um, <laughs> RC Pro M two, uh, which Boogaloo. yeah, uh, came out. Do you know? Did you look at when this game came out? Ninety two by Rare. Does all of that just not melt your brain? The same people <laughs> who developed this developed uh, uh, Banjo Kazooie. The same people who developed this developed Donkey Kong sixty four and Donkey Kong Country. The same year that this came out, The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past was a year and a half old. Like, how does this Nintendo game exist? (laughs) (laughs) It was late to the party. It's made by a company that definitely should have been doing other stuff. It's published by Trade West, which I associate with a totally different genre of games. Like, this is just a weird little artifact of history. It, it it is, and I kind of feel that it, it it has the feel of it of you know, it was somebody on Rare's team, like it was just their passion project, and they got it like sixty fifty percent of the way there. You know, they got kind of the mechanics built out, you know, the the physics behind the different upgrades, and somebody was like, yeah, we can we can throw another hundred hours at this and just finish it off because it's for a an outmoded platform now, and 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 and, and you know. Like, yeah, sure. You know, we can, we we can, we've already got some time and money sunk into it. Let's just finish it off and ship it. The last game for the original Nintendo was made and, or I should say was released in 1995. 95. The the N64 was getting ready to come out. What a shelf life, dude. Like 
that's a 15 year <laughs> console span. Like that's pretty good. Oh yeah. But I mean, again, back, back in the day, you know, for a Nintendo game, you could have a single developer cradle to grave, develop a game, you know? So it's 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 kind of like saying you know did you know that there are indie titles that could run on a you know 16-bit thing today and it's like yeah you know i mean because it doesn't take that much time and energy to to throw into it you know so uh it would it would surprise me way more if the shelf life of like between the ps4 came out and the last ps3 game was like 10 years you know to be like we made this incredibly you know hundred million dollar triple a title that we threw at the ps3 that no one was playing anymore yeah. you know and and that they can't play on the new console because it's we still haven't solved backwards compatibility 30 years later um <laughs> what is uh what is your nostalgia goggles for this game or your nostalgia experience you may have nostalgia goggles because uh you recommended this game and it was not until i had poked at it a little bit that i was like oh okay i remember this so what i think i i sense that you have the deeper uh experience Oh yeah, no, this is, so let let me, let me tell you a tale. So for me, this, like, as you found out, I, I did not play a lot of RPGs when I was, when I was a kid, right? The very very first RPG I ever played was when I was 14 and I started playing Dungeons and Dragons. You know, I, I started off with the Cadillac of RPGs and then from there is, 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 I was like, oh my God, they, Wait, they make video games? Like, I don't have to coordinate with five other friends. I can, I can get this heroin just from Joe Shabbat's off the street. Oh my god! Uh, and that's that's why I struggled the first few years of college. So, <laughs> because of my crippling that, heroin addiction. Yeah, and and also I'd gotten into RPGs. <laughs> um, so, so that being said, this the 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 addiction, the addictive property, was still part of my personality. This was what clutched my RPG addiction, right? The, uh, so I loved this game, and unfortunately, I didn't own it. A friend of mine owned it, but every time I went over to their house, we played this game because I loved it, because it had that kind of leveling mechanic to it. And I was like, oh my God, it's a racing game, but as I race, I can get faster and better, and, and, and I get to choose how I invest this money and all this sort of stuff. Oh my God, it was... It was right up my alley. So, yes, played this quite a bit uh, on the couch with a friend. I, I think it was the main reason why I was friends with them. That, that's fair. I mean, we, we've all had those friends. Um, yeah. I think it's uh, it's worth pointing out that as late as this game came out, right, 92 is just bizarrely late into the Nintendo Entertainment System's lifespan <laughs> to still be releasing, like, a high-quality, like, well-made you know, product for the time, right? This isn't, it's not like a movie tie-in game like The Lion King where you're like, oh, well, yeah, they were just, it's like a movie tie-in game, right? This is yeah, like an independent, yeah, this is an independently developed uh, thing that the company thought they were obviously going to be able to sell. Um, the original RC Pro-Am uh, Not To came out in 1988, right? So a pretty long development cycle. I mean, I'm sure they were probably doing other things, but like a pretty long development cycle between those two, and a lot of the mechanics that are in the second one are present in the first one, right? Because part of me was tempted to be like, oh, God, this came out so late in history that I now have to rack my brain on 
what racing games this may have been inspired from, not the other way around, because now there are Super Nintendo games that this game could have been ripping off, which is just weird, right? It's it's like right. traveling with the doctor. You're just like, wait, so we're dealing with things that haven't happened yet to prevent a thing that's already happened from happening again it, in a parallel it's all universe. Wibbly wobbly time yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um so knowing that the first game came out in 88 and that it shares a lot of mechanics and other kind of visual and auditory similarities like that kind of helped recalibrate my like oh no this is sort of a precursor to a lot of other you know your Mario Karts and your Twisted Metals right not this insane universe where time works backwards and somehow a super Nintendo game inspired a Nintendo game. <laughs> well, and, and so this is tangential, but I promise it, it, it comes back. Um, I, a while back I was talking to, uh, to Megan and she, I was explaining to her how, you know, scientists did an experiment to determine that, uh, light is not, that, that light speed doesn't change regardless of, uh, of, of speed. Right. So, they set up basically, you know, an atomic clock, you know, up at a very, very high altitude and another one at a very, very low altitude. And then basically over 80 years, you know, saw that the time did in fact dilate, right? You know, it, a very, very, very small amount, but that the uh, clock that was moving faster up above that less time had passed than the one that was moving at sea level. And I was like, isn't that cool? And she stared at me eyes wide and she said that, they wasted their lives. And I, t- <laughs> and I said, well, well, they did other stuff. And she's like, no, terrible life spent. And she just left the room and just did other stuff. I just, so I love that her idea of all science <laughs> is observational science. Like, so someone set up this clock and then was like anointed by the Pope to be the watcher. Like the knight in Last Crusade who has to literally sit in front of the Holy Grail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so I said the reason why I think that 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 comes back is it's like the first one was released in 1988, and the second one was released in 1992. It's like, well, I mean, you know, the team did other stuff. You know? <laughs> they were allowed to go home. Yeah, you know, like they they, and that's why I kind of think that probably what happened was they they had the first one and there was just some guy that just kept tinkering around with it and then got it most of the way there and they're like yeah you know put a bow on it ship it we're good this could also be a a sony spider-man situation where for some insane reason they were like oh crap we're gonna lose the rights to this copyright or to the (laughs) trademark or whatever unless we produce another game it's gonna revert to you know the publisher or to some other company to nintendo who knows so maybe they were just like, uh, crap, make another one that's basically the same thing except better in some ways and, and get it out there. Exactly. And that was before they decided that Nicolas Cage would make a great Spider-Man, you know? Uh, that The fact that that sentence is true is just utterly bizarre. <laughs> um, my nostalgia experience for this game is uh, really simple. I don't remember what it is. Like, <laughs> I, I know that I've played this game, but I can't nail down where or with whom i'm positive that i did not own this game um and i'm i'm also really confident that i would not have rented this game because by the time i was consistently allowed to be the sibling who picked what game was rented i was deep into the super nintendo genesis era um so i i would not have been renting regular nintendo games so i can probably guess this was probably like one of my 
brother's friends that may have had this and I was either with him at their house, like at a neighbor's house or something, but I, I just, I know for certain that I've played this game. Like it all came flooding back, but I can't, all of the context is fuzzy. So, um, I don't know if that frees me from nostalgia goggles or means they're there and I just can't see them like a perfect illusion, <laughs> but that, that it is what it is. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, so you know what? It's actually uh, generally when we do these episodes, I, I kind of try to keep loose track of time. So, you know, we can respect, be respectful of, of everyone's time. But uh, my, my little cuckoo clock just uh, went off, which means it's a uh, shell o'clock. Oh, that. This is good now because uh, mine just went off after you were done saying that, which means mine is traveling considerably faster than yours because it it just now caught up. Yes. Yeah, nobody's <laughs> going to fact check that. <laughs> <laughs> no one's doing the math, man. <laughs> um, it is show o'clock, though. Uh, so yeah. at this point, we like to uh, thank uh, followers, uh, listeners, uh, subscribers, um, people who you know come and hang out on Twitch. Uh, this game actually got a uh, weirdly uh, like interested audience because I was kind of doing like a chatting thing over it while I was playing casually and um, had a nice little little Twitch session. So uh, all of those people, um, the listeners, the reviewers, um, all that stuff is is actually precious to us. Um, I do want to call out uh, this actually literally just happened yesterday. Um, and I, I shared this review with you. I'm not going to read the whole thing, uh, but somebody took the time to uh, send us a very very sweet review. Um, they recommended a book that I immediately went to the library and downloaded because it seems super interesting about the, the Nintendo Genesis war um, or Nintendo Sega, I guess. Uh, and also uh, this person consistently plays games. We have done episodes on uh, that they haven't played so that they'll have a better understanding of our critique, which is just I can't think of a better word than sweet. Like that is the most heartwarming sweet thing for someone to say, like, I'm so interested in your review that I go do my homework so that your critique will make more sense to me. Like that's a massive amount of pressure for what we are absolutely phoning in every other week. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I mean (laughs) like the amount of, of phoning it in is, uh, is impressive, but no, I mean, honestly, I, I think that the, the 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 heart behind what we do is there like we, we both give it our all every time we just do way less prep work than we should you know <laughs> we're, we're, we're the people who show up to the football game having never worked out having not you know just popped up off the couch and said i'm gonna go play football and uh you know s- somehow we roll those 20s and sometimes we get a touchdown but 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 the moral of the story is we're gassed winded and swinging for the fences the whole time but as long as the audience doesn't see that and it's it's great. Um, I, I think I'm. Uh, you're giving me an idea for an incredible, uh, like bonus episode. We should do. Uh, we should critique a game based just on the box and the book, and not actually play the game. Because hmm. that would be the logical extreme of not doing research. Is like, oh, this time we literally didn't even play the game. Oh man, no, actually. So uh, agreed. Actually, I don't know if this is how it works, but what we should do is a uh like a live stream right <laughs> where where somebody gives us a, a title right we have one minute to just do as much research on it as we can and then come up with a coherent like 10 minute quick review Ooh. you know like and then you just do that for or, or 20 minutes like a 20 minute review and we do that like three times iteratively it, it would be the 
uh, that, that's the equivalent of like going to a uh, improv bar. Yeah. You know, I need yeah. a genre box art that was poorly translated from Japanese <laughs> by someone who only spoke Russian. Yeah, and and the, the the real key would be if somebody said, you know, Mega Man Six. It's like, no, I played that one. We can't do that one. I actually played it. No, move, move along. JoJo's Weird Adventure for the NES. That, nope, never played that one. Let's let, let's do it. Yeah, let's let's do that one. Um, but yeah, all all of those people, uh, the reviews, the the listeners, the watchers, the subscribers, uh, we do love you all. Um, Patreon is one of the uh, only ways we ask people if they want to contribute financially, they can. Um, all of our Patreon patrons, patronites, all of our mm-hmm. patronites, patronopities, um, patronopities, all, all of our uh, centurions, they're all valuable, <laughs> uh, beautiful. They help us, you know, pay the bills to keep the show on the internet. Um, but we do want to take a special moment to call out uh, one of our 8 bit classics, Michael S., uh, and our 16 bit hero, Jacob K. Uh, if you want to be one of those people, links are in the show notes. Um, we joke all the time, particularly me, because I'm the one who puts the show notes together, that there's nothing in there. There's ways you can support us linked in the show notes, and those are always there. So if there's one and only thing you actually check the show notes for, it's ways to leave us a review. If you really want to, you can reach out to us. And if you really, really want to, you can give us money. And with that, on with the show. Visuals. They're, I mean, they're fine. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah. <laughs> it was so antithetical to it, my lead-in. Yeah, it was. And <laughs> and I think it's actually appropriate because I was thinking a lot about the visuals for this. And I was like, what is... Why do I feel this like cognitive dissonance? Because I would put the controller down and just literally kind of like look at the screen. And then a couple times I looked up screenshots and like I was looking at the manual and I was just like why when I am thinking about the visuals, do I sort of feel like hostile toward them? And when I'm not thinking about it and I'm just playing the game, they seem perfectly fine. And I realized the game is designed with movement in mind. And what, what I, I think I mean by that is this is a Nintendo game, right? Even though it came out in 1992, it's still a original Nintendo game. And I don't think it's using any of the super secret sauce like Super Mario Brothers 3 had extra chips crammed into the cartridge. I, I don't think this game is doing anything like that, but it's very smooth and fluid. You get a little bit of screen flicker and a tiny bit of screen tearing, but generally everything moves like super fast and super seamless. But if you look at it stationary, everything looks like it was drawn in MS Paint but you're not supposed to see anything stationary. It's supposed to be flying by at a thousand miles an hour. And when it is, then you're very thankful that it's really clear where the track is. And it's really clear where the drops are. And it's really clear what's water and what's oil, right? Like you have these super simple, basically tokens of like reward and hazard that you can identify instantly right there's no parsing of complicated like well is that deep water or is it shallow water no it's water all water behaves exactly the same uh some of the levels have rivers in them and that water looks very different but it's blue water so it behaves exactly like the puddles of water right like it's i i really think this game is meant to be played and otherwise not really looked at because they they optimized for visuals driving game uh, driving powering the gameplay so that 
uh, you don't ever feel like everything is blurry and confusing and you're being fed too much information. So in, in that sense, I actually think the super simple kind of childlike visuals were a hundred percent the right way to do it. Yeah, I, I agree with that because you, the game does move very quickly. Um, and, and actually this kind of leads into uh, uh, one of the things that I, I have here, which is that the amount of the course that you can see and how quickly the course moves supports practice gameplay, right? You know, it is almost impossible for you to see a thing and then react to it. Unless like if you're, if you're heading dead towards a puddle, you know, you're not going to get out of the way of that puddle before you hit it. You know, now if you're on like the, the fringe of it, you know, you can, you can reasonably kind of duck and dodge and get out of the way. So it's not completely hopeless, but that being said, is that if you if you don't know where the arrow go fast arrows are, you're you're gonna miss them. Um, that being said, and and that's also true with the amount of course they let you see. So the the size of the car and the size of the course is such that you know again by the time something enters the screen, you need to you have maybe a tenth of a second to assess what it is and and what you can and are going to try to do about it, and that's it. So if it had wildly complex visuals that were kind of difficult to discern and parse, that would be uh, incredibly cumbersome. Um, you do have to internalize where a lot of the stuff is. Uh, and, and we can get to that a little bit more in mechanics. I will say that I thought that they did a good job with the visuals in terms of the hitbox because the hitbox for things that help you is super generous and the hitbox for things that hurt you is really tight. Like, you know, so, I mean, you could, as long as you are, I honestly think that there are three, like there, there are arrows on the course, right? But that there's three zones, you know, there's top, (laughs) middle and bottom. And as long as you're in that zone anywhere, it's going to capture that you touch that accelerometer, right? Whereas with the oil, you got to really hit that oil. Like you kind of have to hit it pretty dead on before it says, nah, man, you, you spun out. So the visuals, as far as the hitbox, I thought were, were done very well. Yeah, and as we have often said in the past, like they're uh, generous in favor of the player and they're kind of tight wads about it when it's going to punish the player, which is pretty much always the way you want to make that decision. You pretty much always want to say, okay, in this case, uh, this will be helpful and it will make playing the game more fun. So let's have that hitbox be super wide because then you get the, the zoomy arrows and you feel cool. This will be destructive and will completely ruin their time and make them lose the race. Uh, So that one, you know, we're going to make them basically crash directly into that before they get nailed. And it's because, I mean, you know, you're playing this with on like the, you know, 106 pixels that made up a Nintendo resolution, right? Like 106 by 106. I know it's not really. Don't don't at me about that. Um, And it's it's four by three. Like and. Uh, this and this cannot be overstated. It's isometric. So picture Final Fantasy tactics in your mind. Now imagine cars and trying to drive one at that camera angle. And that's what driving in this is like. So isometric racing is an absolutely terrible design choice that history has just all over, like just absolutely crapped all over that design choice. But because they made other design choices that are more favorable to the player where it's fun and less harmful when it would harsh your fun, they can kind of go with this really terrible artistic choice to have an isometric 
camera, right? An isometric view of the field. Right. Because again, you know, like they, they, they said, look, nobody's playing this for the absolute pixel perfect precision. Honestly, I, I think that if I were to play this, I would be with a friend. I would not be playing it to race against my friend, but to race against the computer. I actually thought about it a couple of times. We can get this in, more into mechanics, but I was like, if you did it right, you know, and you played with a friend where like they were the second player, then you could kind of, you know, say like, okay, you, you take third this time and I'll take fourth and I'll do this other thing. Um, so, you know, like you could, you could basically get, you know, six lives instead of three, yeah. you know? I mean, you, you know, real racing is done like this, like in like cycle racing, they race as a team, but the team is intending for one person to be the winner. No, I didn't up. know that. Yeah. Oh, but- yeah. Yeah. No, it's I, I, when I learned that about like, you know, when all that controversy with, uh, with Lance Armstrong was like a thing in the news. Um, and people were talking about the sport of bike racing. It's like, Oh, well he raced for, I think the U S postal service team, um, or they, that was the sponsor. And it's like, oh, so these people literally form a human shield in front of him so that he is getting less wind resistance. So he gets less tired pedaling. And then when it's time for him to break away, he breaks away still fresh because he's been basically cycling in a, like a little vacuum. Right. And then he's able to to break away and win. And like that's an understood part of how cycling is done. And because the computer benefits from rubber band physics in this, and you don't, which we will definitely have to talk about in mechanics, uh, having your friend use one of their missiles to blow up a car so that you don't take fourth and have to waste to continue, totally legit strategy. Yeah, it's a legitimate strategy. And actually, you know, I mean, because this isn't really, I ah, know it's too much in mechanics. I'll get to it in mechanics. But uh, the, the one, one of the things I will say about the visuals that I did like was um, I didn't count it because I can't count. Uh, is that there Thank were you for a sharing lo- that vulnerability with the audience? Yeah, no sweat. Thank God my livelihood doesn't depend on it, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, there are a lot of different frames of animation for the car, you know? So there's like, you know what I'm saying? Is that there's the cars dead at you, and I think that, that there's the cars that instead of just dead at you, 45 degrees, 90 degrees, there's like dead at you, uh, you know. Uh, what would it be? Twenty seven point five degrees, right? Uh, no, that's not right. Anyways, twenty two point five degrees, right? Forty five degrees, you know, so on and so forth. But there's an extra like there's a, a north northeast, you know, mm-hmm. um, between each one, you know, which I I felt that again, given the the isometric viewpoint, was made all of the difference, right? Because it's an additional eight animations, but it makes it seem so much more fluid. Then, you know, if it's like, you know, you're heading straight towards the camera. Now you're heading at a 45 degree angle. Now you are heading 90 degrees perpendicular. It's like just having that additional little fluidity of when you're turning, which is basically all the time uh, that had to look fluid. Otherwise, it would have looked just janky as hell. Yeah, I I think you're right. I don't know if it's you might be right that it's uh, eight directions instead of just the it's definitely not six. But anyway, it, well, I think, I think what I'm what I'm arguing is that it's oh, it would be norm, normally there would be normally there would be four if it was on all nineties, eight if it had the forty fives. I'm saying that there's probably sixteen. Oh, you know, so well, one one in between each yeah, yeah, each yeah. forty five. You um, know, the the nice thing is is even if it's a thousand, it doesn't change the the point that I'm getting at, which is uh, this reaffirms my 
this game is meant to be seen moving because uh, <laughs> the vehicles, right? Because you start out as monster trucks and then you become Formula One racers and then something else. I, like, I never got to the something else. I got to be a Formula One racer once and it was the best. Yeah, no, same and same. Um, <laughs> they just they mention it in the manual that there's like two two or three upgrades but anyway um the car if you actually look at the vehicle the vehicle is not animated what you're looking at are static pictures at the correct orientation you don't you can't see the tires spinning you don't see little puffs of smoke coming out of the tailpipe like the, the unless you're hitting that nitrous that sweet sweet nitrous yeah, exactly. Right. But, and again, that's like just, it's temporary, right? They didn't have to animate that from every possible, you know, vantage point. So they're able to create this like almost 3d effect where if you drive donuts, which I did a couple times, cause I was like, Oh, I, I exploded. I'm definitely going to die. If you just drive donuts. And so you're essentially making the car rotate. It looks crazy smooth. And it's because they were able to put all their effort into the angles that you were going to be viewing the vehicle at not then also animating right because normally it's like okay this this character if you see them walking to the left they have three frames of animation in their their little walk motion it's like oh sometimes they're coming at you and it's like okay that's, that's three more frames sometimes they're walking away from you oh crap okay that's that's three more frames right so each one additional direction you can see them from just that one walk animation now has that's three additional frames you got to animate this is not that these are static pictures. So they had to draw it at all of those angles, but they did not have to animate it, which made it a much more approachable amount of work. And there's less crap on screen, which means it can stay at that maximum frame rate all the time, which for a racing game, you kind of want. Oh yeah. Now if, if all of a sudden the frame rate was all over the place, that would be a mess. One of the other things I think is hyper important is uh, the big giant yellow arrows on the course for turns. Uh, super awesome again because everything's flying at you at a million miles an hour uh you can't really predict what's going to happen so the fact that and 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 yes there is a little mini map on your hud which i guess i looked at occasionally to kind of get a feel for what the course was going to do that that's more like you know the this year you're (laughs) this this year you're gonna make you know 10 million dollars on your top line and i need to see a 20 percent drop to bottom line that has Nothing to do with how you're going to run the business. That's just kind of year end goal, right? That that's my that that was what I used the HUD for. For oh, that's the gist of what I'm going to try to do here. Uh, and then like you know, my takeaway was there are a lot of twists and turns on this one, or there are no twists and turns on this one. You know, that was it. That was just a top level you know abridgment. Uh, but the the big giant bold yellow arrows, the the game would be unplayable without that if you were trying to improvise each time. No. Well, um, and I think that's actually realistic. Like I think real some real races cuz I know there's lots of different racing, but I think some real races actually have marked courses because hmm. if you're down on the road, it can be hard to tell where a turn is going and if you're going at 180 miles an hour like in F1 racing, right? You're going super fast and you're not just going in circles like NASCAR, so you kind of need to know where the turns are, right? So I I think that may actually not be a video gamey visual. That may just be a racing visual. Yeah, no, the, 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 you, you make left turns all day in NASCAR, and and you get to make one right turn once, uh, and 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 typically none after that. 
<laughs> so dark. So, anyways, that's not the point. The point is, that, but yeah. So that that very well may be a real racing thing. A hundred percent necessary for this game. And I felt that the distance between when you see the yellow arrow and when you have to react to the yellow arrow uh, was was well well placed, well timed. Uh, especially because the 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 distance from the yellow arrow to the action does not vary based. It, it's it's constant, right? It's based off of the map. Which means that as you begin to move faster, as you get better engines, it actually is less helpful, you know, because you're going faster, right? So the, the amount of time between when you see the arrow and when you have to act is narrowed, which is, is good, you know, because you're, you're going faster. You know, you, 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 the game is getting harder. So it kind of plays along that difficulty curve as well. I mean, it, by that point, you should have gotten good. Had you, had you not gotten good by then when you had the more powerful motor? So let me share with you a story about me getting good at this game. So one of the times, my my first big playthrough. So I, I played through a couple of played it for a little bit, but this was my first really solid run. You know, uh, I you know I got to the the blue tracks and I had upgraded my engine like twice. You know, so I think I had the gold engine and I was like, oh yeah, there we go. No, I or silver or something like that. I don't know. Um, a a solid engine in this vehicle, yeah, and I an, had an the, engine made of solid metal. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had the like some some nice beefy tires, so they could handle it. Because <laughs> at one point, I did try to just I put a monster engine in there and nothing into the tires, and that was not it was suboptimal, but delightful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I, I you know I had a good engine in the car, and you know racing coming in at this point like seconds third you know not 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 claiming too many first but not 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 losing too badly either and then all of a sudden uh i one of them became a formula one racer and i was like well that can't be good i don't know what that means or how that's going to impact you know (laughs) the formula one racer just left me and the other three of us just in the dust and i was like oh my god and i didn't know that you had to collect the program to get the Formula One racer. I didn't know what it was. I thought he just put a particularly powerful engine in his car and then that transformed the vehicle or something. But I was like, okay. So I am now playing for second place. We are all playing for second place, right? You know? So I was like, that's fine. I can deal with that, you know? And so then the next race, three or two out of the three had the the RC (laughs) Pro-Ram racer. I was like, Oh man, but that's fine. It's fine, man, because I just I just can't come in fourth. As long as I'm coming in third, we're fine. So I pull ahead of the green car who was in third, and he shot me to death because he <laughs> put all of his money into guns. And so I was like, oh, well, then that's game, Hendrix, because the two I'm only seeing tailpipe dust from two of the cars, and the other guy's got his gat out and he is shooting out the window at me. So <laughs> that's my story. So yeah, I I uh yeah. I definitely felt that. No, and and I think the RC program to whatever the letters you have to collect to make the car upgrade, like you know, we'll we'll be able to pick this apart more in mechanics if we want to. But uh, when it comes to the visual of that in the game, like in the race, your experience is a great safety net, right? Because you start playing and you're like, ah, oh, trucks. Okay. This is, a, this is a truck racing game. Got it. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you play, it's weird you that they have a formula one racer on the cover, but you know, well, so I, I will get there, sir. 
<laughs> so you play, you die, you play, you die, you get better. And then eventually someone, maybe you, but someone becomes the race car. And now you're like, huh, what is, uh, what's going on over there? Right. And then you go on to have your lived experience. But here's the thing that I'm noticing when you turn the game on, it says RC Pro-Am 2, and there's a picture of the red car, which if you're playing single player, you are always the red car, right? So it's the red car as the Formula One racer, which when you press start and start playing the game is not what you see. You see the truck and everybody has a truck. On the cover of the game, there are only like the, the literal box. There are only the trucks firing missiles and explosions and crap. So that means if you had the experience of looking at the box, putting the cartridge in, turning the game on, and then getting to a race, you would see truck, race car, truck. And that's like, that's a really like subliminal little abilities. Like they use the difference between the title screen and the box or the the book art to kind of be like, hey, there's more than one type of car in here. Go go look for that. It might matter later. Yeah. And and that's the thing, you know. So once once I did that, I was like, huh. Wow. And then I did kind of do some some like work and I was like, oh, you gotta you gotta create the uh RC Pro Am too. Got it. All right, all right, you know, that makes sense. And again, that that then mechanically very dramatically changes the game, you know? Uh, especially because it, getting the Formula One racer is the going super saiyan of this game like being a truck immediately becomes completely obsolete you know <laughs> yeah even if you've upgraded your tires and your engine yeah the, the formula a, it, one racer the the base super saiyan is still more powerful than the strongest human yeah no i mean you, you could be the best tn you could be but you're not going to touch that formula one racer man you know it's it, it doesn't matter <laughs> um <laughs> Can keep go get got the the one other thing I want to say about the visuals because I I want to talk about the plane and the bombs that it drops but Ooh. I care I care a lot more about that how it impacts the game mechanically so I will I will try to portal back to that topic uh, but the one other thing that I I really cared about with the visuals is uh, there there isn't enough variety this game yeah. has I think twenty four tracks but only like four different themes right there's like a the green like standard racetrack theme you start with. And then there's like the blue city and like a deserty dusty kind of beige one. Right. Like there's just not enough. Like I, I get like every piece of art has to be drawn by hand using ancient technology back from way in the early nineties. But I just, I wish there'd just been more variety. Like it, it's yeah. just, you know, just give, me, give, give, give me a little something more. That's even legit. if it's just colors, even if they just went the lazy route and they were like, here, this still looks like a regular racetrack with tires stacked along it and trees and stuff. But like this one's blue because it's snowy. This one's orange because it's autumn. Right. Just <laughs> so, just some, something. Um, the one the one minor note I have for for visuals that I just want to throw in there, which is that uh, they do have power ups that are race car specific. And those are your color. Um, the ones that are Omni racer are, you know, flashing like it's going through flashing through the spectrum. And I was like, man, it could have just been white. You know, it didn't, it didn't need to be ultimate rainbow colored. It's not bad. 
it's not, it, it just, it's, and, and it is very flashy, which catches your eye. But again, there's nothing on the racetrack except it would be the only like blanket white thing on the racetrack. So I was just kind of like, eh. Yeah. Eh. I mean, back, back when, you know, video games could only put out like 256 colors. I totally associate that rainbow cycle thing with like, you want this. Mm. So I, I don't know if that is normal design language in early video games, especially I'm I'm thinking in my mind in like early arcade games. But to me, that's like shiny. I want it right. Like yep. sol- solid colors, maybe good, maybe bad, but rainbow shiny. Yeah, I want that. I want rainbow shiny. As a, as a wise once man once said to me, uh, green is my favorite color next to shiny. Uh, what's he up to? Anyway, um, <laughs> you got you got anything else for uh, visuals? No, nah, no, nah, I'm good. Audio? Yeah, uh, there isn't much. There's not not a lot. <laughs> no, there's no, there's not. Um, so first of all, I do like the the intro music. The do 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 do. You know, it's it, it's fun. It's peppy. And then no more music. They said music here, nowhere else. The, but the I shop, think I the why. shopping screen has music. <laughs> It's true. But I think I know why that there's no music. It's because, you know what there is instead of music? The perpetual hum of engines, right? And if there's one thing that somebody on this show won't shut the f*** up about, it's that the Nintendo can't register, you know, multiple tones like that all at once, right? You know, so if they're going to have the hum of engines all the time, it would be like (laughs) playing Mario, listening to the Mario music, but it's like, like every step is you hitting a turtle shell. You know, so I think that that's why they didn't put music in the thing because they wanted the constant hum of the engines. I don't know if that's the right choice because I don't really care about. The, I, I I understand that the engines are going. You know. Yeah, I think it's. I think you're right, and I'm surprised you would you would call yourself out like that as as constantly <laughs> complaining about this. Hey, man, <laughs> the, the, the way to growth is just self reflection. You it's know, true. so Intros- I introspection me, is the path forward. George needs to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I we nostalgia goggles. <laughs> <laughs> I slash we slash nostalgia goggles. Um, nice. I I think you're right that there are going to be other sounds that would make it impossible for them to have a melody of any repute constantly playing. I don't think they optimized for engine sounds. I would say they optimized for race noises because there's also the like when you hit the like super speed, you know, mm-hmm. chevrons. Um, I'm really glad I remembered that word because I was just about to say arrows, but they're not arrows. They're chevrons. Um, you were the the super speed chevrons in it it makes like a in each vehicle and each time so if there's three or four of them in a row which happens very regularly and each vehicle hits it it's right so that would just they would have to dedicate all audio channels to that um later there's uh, a lot of tire screeching because you get into windier and windier courses. Later, there's a lot of explosions for various reasons, right? So if they had right. composed music for this, they would just be constantly crapping all over it by the time you're not even that far into the game, right? In the early races, they're not that windy, so it's not a ton of tire screeching, and they're not the... Uh, uh, none of the trucks have weapons yet, so there's not a lot of explosions and nonsense, so at first it is the engine noise overriding 
the what would be the music if there was music there. But I think you're right that they just said like we we can't do all of the wacky sound effects we're gonna want to do later after you know like race number six uh, and and also have tune skis playing on the radio. So uh, we're gonna optimize for explosions. Yep. I- <laughs> My name's Mr. Torque, and I've got one question and one question only. Explosions? <laughs> uh, that being said, um, I have I have one more uh, note for audio, but it actually kind of ties into mechanics pretty well. So I want to I want to hold off on that. But agreed is that um, there are a tremendous number of uh, sound effects that are informative to gameplay right so and again i think that that's hypercritical when there is consistently a lot of stuff going on off screen you know so you need to know whether or not that people are hitting those uh speed chevrons or they're somebody other than you is hitting the uh the puddle and i mean like you need those uh audio affordances uh and so a lot of times like especially with a lot of the games you've been playing recently for whatever reason there haven't been a whole lot of audio affordances like things specifically they're feeding you information and that's all this is it's all audio affordances there's nothing else going on in here uh and i do think that that was the right call to make but do you uh what other notes do you have because i've got like i said one more that'll tie us into mechanics uh the only other thing that i wanted to mention just because i thought it was odd um and i'll 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 co-sign that sentiment um a lot of the games we've just coincidentally played recently the audio was good or bad but it didn't matter as much because like oh there's zany fast-paced stuff happening all the time and i need these audio cues right so they they definitely made the right decision prioritizing the sounds of the world over you know smooth sounds of the 80s 98.1 on the trucks radio um i guess be smooth sounds of the 90s (laughs) but uh the the chevrons uh when you hit them and other trucks are hitting them i don't know if they did this on purpose or if they overloaded like what noises the Nintendo could put out, but it does like this, uh, this, you know, kind of cascading, like when you go over one and if you are on one of those long stretches where you're hitting a bunch of them and the other trucks are hitting a bunch of them, um, some of them like misfire where it'll be like flat or sharp. And it's Hmm. there. It's not the same sound being played over and over again, which we don't have to spend too much time on this, but like that just got my, my technologist brain going like, Oh, is this not a pre-recorded sound? Is this actually being generated on hardware every time where like there's instructions for what sounds to make, but it's using the hardware like an instrument and not just playing a pre-recorded sound effect because the hardware can absolutely do that. Right. That's like, if you've ever played like an electric keyboard, right it's it's making making the noise like in midi and i just was sitting there staring at my screen like why do i care so much about this like (laughs) it's just a glitch in an old stupid game but like i just couldn't stop thinking like why would they do this one sound effect programmatically instead of just recording it well i I believe that my understanding is the reason why they did it programmatically is because the tachyon field in that particular uh, uh, system was set up such that this this type of game would create a subspace interference if it di- if it was pre recorded. So in order to bypass that, they had to generate in situ using the uh, the excess bosons. What well, what's the dish? They always used a dish to the solve problems. Dish. Yeah, the deflector array. Yeah, the deflector array. Yeah, right. it, man, that, that <laughs> the deflector dish, array. It's charged with antiprotons. <laughs> it'll explode half the ship if we hit it. 
<laughs> Man, that dish did everything. Like, they <laughs> well, do you know what's actually the most important part of the ship after like the engines? Well, it's 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 pretty cool. Do you know what its purpose is? I mean, oh, it's not like the ram scoop in Ender's Game, is it? I forget what the ram scoop did in Ender's Game. Uh, the ships are traveling so fast, and they do not travel through subspace that you need something that collects microscopic dust particles. Otherwise they would blast through the front of the ship. Like that is exactly what it's for. Yay. It, it, it doesn't like collect them. Like the Ranscoop did just, they literally deflects them. It is the deflector dish. Um, huh. but yeah, yeah. Does, does what it says on the tin. That's what it says on the tin. And that's the cool thing about like true science fiction is they had to make up like a small subset of things. So that way the show could exist at all. Like, we need subspace. Why? Because otherwise, the minute that Enterprise leaves, it was never seen or heard from again and was not part of society anymore. <laughs> so we need them to be able to communicate faster than light. Subspace. Okay, that's fine. Um, so anyways, my my last note for, for audio is, as we mentioned, um, you know, most of the audio is to inform decisions, is to, to relay information. One of the things that it will relay is when somebody comes in first, it makes a little sound, you know, when somebody finishes the race, right? So typically, because this game has, you know, some strong rubber band physics, if when one racer finishes the race, the other ones are, are not too far behind, right? Um, but normally when I heard that, it was my cue to quickly check the map. And if I was just hopelessly behind, I then... Uh, did the thing that would cause me to want to trade off with another player, which is I then hard stop, turned around, and collected everything I could on the course because I was already lost, right? I was going to lose a life anyways. So I just went and collected all of the dollars, all of the stars, all of the money, all the pro-amps, everything I could get my grubby little hands on, and then double-backed and finished the race because there was no reason not to, and a lot of the times, the way they have it structured, the bonuses are way more monetarily valuable than coming in first. So if I was going to lose a life, I was going to go out on a sea of riches, uh, which served me pretty well. Okay, so I got to tell you, <laughs> and and this is this is going to be our segue into uh, into controls and mechanics, um, as you implied it would be. So. <laughs> I had a note in here that I thought was like kind of a minor, like a throwaway note, like, huh, you can actually collect more money than you win in prizes sometimes or like a com- or like a comparable amount. Wow, that really means you should be looking for that stuff while you're racing. It did not occur to me <laughs> to take my ball and go home. <laughs> and that's. I'm like, I'm going to go play another round of this game just to see this with my own two thumbs. Like this, this is, you have blown my mind that the, that the game will not only accommodate that, but basically incentivize it. Yeah. No, like if you're going to lose a life, you might as well make that life as valuable as humanly possible. Double back and just collect everything you can. And because um, you can buy extra lives. So, like, if you have, like, a fully upgraded vehicle and you're really still struggling or you, you made a dumb mistake or something, like, you are totally incentivized to be like, you know what? Fine. Fine. You guys just have your little <laughs> race. I'm just going to go collect all the money you left on the race course. Hmm. Yep. And that's the thing, too, is that so, and I don't know, I honestly don't know really how I feel about this. I didn't pour enough hours into the game to really become an a true expert on it and, like, really weigh in on this. But 
Yes, absolutely. I had the same note, which is that um, the amount of money that you pick up can can far eclipse your prize winnings. You know, like because on the first courses, especially, you get like a thousand dollars for coming in first, seven hundred and fifty for coming in second. I think five hundred for coming in third. And 250 for coming in fourth, right? And if you come in fourth, you've lost a life, right? So let's discount that for a second, right? So that means literally the difference between the theoretically best case scenario and the worst case scenario that does not actually have a permanent impact is 500, 500 bucks, right? So with that in mind, it's like you can easily pick up $1,500 on some of those first courses, which again, you know, so it's like I came in first one time, but I was just focused, like doggedly coming in first. And I came in first by a fair margin, right? And I got $1,000 and I happened to pick up like $200, right? But the guy who came in third picked up like, you know, or the person who came in second, you know, got $750, but picked up $1,200 in prize money. So I was like, <laughs> oh my God, this person just wiped the floor with me ultimately because yes, you do get points for coming in first, but it's a lot you're playing the long game here right because if you've got no money then eventually you're gonna have no points right and i remember the one place where it was it it where i actually made a conscious decision here was i had rc pro-am one right because you have to collect the one twice to make two right and so i was playing a course and literally i was actually winning but I saw that everybody else was missing. No, excuse me. I was missing the M. Everybody else was missing the the extra one to make it two, right? So I was the only one missing an M, which means I was the only one that could pick it up. And I blew past it twice on a two lap course, you know. And so I literally stopped, turned around, went and got <laughs> the M, came back and finished fourth. And you know, Megan said, "Why did you do that?" And I was like, "Because if I did not get the racing upgrade, I was going to lose that life eventually." right? Probably in the next course. But if I lost that life now, there's, I actually have a fighting chance for the rest of the game. So it absolutely incentivizes you to blatantly lose the game sometimes and go on weird fetch quests in a, <laughs> in a racing game, which is weird. And again, I don't really know how I feel about it. I'm not deeply upset about it, but it's just, it's, it's very antithetical to a racing game. Well, and I think this is something that I, I spent a fair amount of time thinking about particularly once I realized when this game came out, which is this game has way more in common with Mario Kart and Twisted Metal than it does in common with like Excite Bike, right? Excite Bike, which graphically and mechanically is somewhat a contemporary of this game, is very, you know, go faster than everybody else, go the fastest and you win, right? right. Whereas this game is more like, okay, there's 24 tracks. Um, you're going to need to kind of plan out what you're going to do to be successful in those later tracks because you all start out at the same place, but you're not all going to get to the last race at the same place. Some of you are going to have invested in better engines or better tires or more missiles or extra ammo for those missiles or whatever, but you're, you're not all going to be equal members of society when you arrive at track 24, right? So that's, I, I don't even, like, it's still, a, it's obviously still a racing game, also vehicular combat. Like, it's still yeah. in that genre, but... Every time you say it, man. It just, I know, it's horrifying. <laughs> uh, but it, it's still in those, that, those genres. But the fact that there's no timer, right? The fact that, 
uh, once you realize you're not going to win that they are like, yeah, go pick up all the, the drops that were left. Like totally. We'll wait for you. Take your time. Hang, man. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that doesn't feel like an accident that someone like you cleverly realize like, Oh, you can totally do this. The game won't punish you for it. That really feels like they don't have a timer and they're not rewarding you for the speed with which you finish the race on purpose. Like, like this is a way for this is their blue turtle show. This is the mm-hmm. way for the person who's going to come in last to, you know, make some lemonade out of it. <laughs> Agreed. And I think that this, um, the, because, uh, you know, this is how the game clutches the fact that it predominantly supports practice gameplay, right? Because, you know, if you do come in dead last, you know, then you've got some catch up. But if you really, if you ever want to come in really first, you're going to have to memorize some of these courses, right? You know, I mean, like you just have to internalize where some of this stuff is. And as I've said before on the show, I'm not a huge fan of practice gameplay when it comes to the show because I never really feel that we have enough time to play the game for me to truly get good at it. But here's where it starts to get interesting with this particular game because you get at least two, if not three laps on each course, right? So that actually gives you, if you're paying close attention, enough time to internalize some of each course each time, right? Because of the rubber band physics, it won't let the cars really blow you out of the water, right? So even if you screw up pretty much nonstop on that first lap and you've got, there's a decent distance between you and like the, the, the main cluster, um, you you can, you can make that up, you know? So, uh, so actually I realized that the number one thing that I needed in order to be successful was uh, to know where all the chevrons were, right? Because if you, in the beginning, it doesn't really matter as much, but towards the the middle of the game, if you don't uh, if you don't hit those chevrons, you are not going to win. You will come in fourth, right? So because of the how generous the hitboxes were, as I said earlier, right, is that I really do believe that they're just split up into three. What I did was I memorized it like you would memorize a punch combo in a fighting game, right? So mm. basically, the first time around is I'd say like like up, up, middle, down, middle. You know, and so then right when I hit the first up, I'd be like, okay, I need to stay towards the up portion of the screen because the next one that's going to come is going to be on the up. Okay, now I need to get more towards the center so that way I can and 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 I could even do that a little bit with like internalizing where a mud slick was. I would just basically put my brain to register, you know, an, an extra down to say like after this chevron, I need to be in a down position because that's, you know, what's going on. But, but basically, yes, yeah, so I, I would go the first round of the course and then kind of quickly try to memorize where all of the chevrons were. And then the second time hit them all. And then because of the way the rubber bands physics worked, physics worked, that worked pretty well for me. The downside though, is that that optimizes for each individual race. It does not optimize for the, it's, it's great tactically. It's not great strategically because the game does incentivize you finding RC program too, right? So if I hit all of the chevrons, but I don't collect any of that, I am only going to get so far, you know? Um, and but trying be- to say like, okay, like up, down, down, up, center, down, up, up, center, center, set, right? Like adding in the collectibles yeah. to, to your, you know, Simon, you know, the, the infinite digits of pi you're trying to memorize like that would, cause it's like, oh, but you only have to remember, you know, up center or bottom it's like yeah but you have to remember that to you know a hundred digits right like that's that adds in 
just doing the chevrons or just doing the chevrons and the obstacles is like pretty reasonable. I think some, a player could do that like you were doing it, but most people can't memorize as many digits of pi as you know, right? Like that starts to become, you can't do it this way. So it's like, now do you just memorize where the collectibles are and lose a few races so that you can try and come back strong, right? Or do you, do you try and split the difference and say like, Oh, okay, well memorize half, half chevrons, half collectibles, right? Like then then it becomes a weird sort of like, what am I trying to get out of this long term? Well, and also, too, part of the issue with trying to memorize where all the collectibles are is they can be collected by other players, you know? So you might see that that P and you're like, ah, you know, that that's where the P needs to be. But if when you come back around, if you don't hit all of the chevrons, then somebody may just straight up get to it before you, and then it's not there no more. Um, so that that adds an additional layer of complexity. However, I will say that all of this discussion that we're, ha- we're having actually kind of belies one of the things that I... I I appreciate about this game, which is there is a lot of depth to the gameplay considering how simple the mechanics are. You know, it's like, do you maximize for chevrons and do you try to like, you know, are you really going to make sure that you come in first every time and you get that prize money? You're going to sub-optimize for getting the other monies, but consistently getting that thousand, that's that's your way you're going to win win your races. And, you know, you're just going to make those moderate improvements. Or are you going to really try to min-max it? And yeah, you may lose a few lives in the beginning, but by the time you're hitting your mid-game, you're going to have the best equipment, you're going to have the RC program too, and you're just going to blow everyone out of the water. You're going to be playing it on a razor's edge. It's high risk, high reward, because if you because you can only lose a couple, truly lose a couple of times, you know. So, how how are you going to play it? What what is your how? And and again, like for a game of this era, and especially for a game with this simplistic of mechanics, the fact that you can create a strategy and then that informs how you behave tactically is uh is is kind of impressive. Again, for a game of this era and and how simplistic it actually is mechanically. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking through that strategy element and how I think it was actually the right decision to not include any kind of continue save password, right? You, you start from scratch every single time with the exception of if you enter your initials as N E S, you know, Ness, uh, Mm -hmm. you start with $5,000, which is kind of, kind of cool. I like that. I I didn't know that. I did that most of the time. Um, but that's, I, I think it's because the mechanics are deep enough that they require your attention for the game to be enjoyable, not having pass and it, the game's not that long. It's only 24 you know races. So not having a password system or some kind of save system, like a battery save means you can't paint yourself into a corner where it is basically impossible for you to be successful. Cause imagine if you had a password that was like, okay, I'm at track 19, I have, I'm still in the race or in the the truck. Everybody else is in whatever the third upgrade is. I didn't even see it, right? Everybody else is two vehicle types beyond me, right? They've reached a level beyond that of a super Saiyan. And here I am, you know, what what would we even call that? A super duper Saiyan. (laughs) So here I am, you know, still wearing my turtle shell and doing Kamehameha's into the water and like, it, that, that's not good. Like that would suck a lot of the joy out of the game because every time you sat down to play, you'd be like, okay, this time I'm going to, I'm going to, I've got the, the course completely memorized and I'm going to nail all the chevrons and I'm going to avoid all the oil slicks and I'm going to dodge the stupid bombs out of the goddamn plane and, and I'm going to win, but you're racing against 
the hyper evolved hyper elite racers who you just can't compete against. And that would ruin some, they would probably ruin a lot of people's experiences because they would say, well, I got this far. I was able to save. I must be able to go on to be successful. And the answer is no, you've actually, you've saved yourself into a corner. Um, like, you, you know, we normally associate that with like RPGs, but that could totally happen in any game that has, strategic upgrade mechanics even if they're simple like the ones in this game is so the fact that it's like every time you turn that game on everybody's equal we we all start at the same place and then you choose where you go from here and the cpu will you know make decisions within a certain range i assume right and and choose where they go from there i think that was right i think that was the right way to do it it, it allows them to make the mechanics as complex as they are without you breaking that experience for yourself accidentally yes no i i I agree and and that leads us into uh where you probably have more robust notes than i do but the cycle time which is uh you know arguably the cycle time is bad you know because (laughs) you definitely uh you, you know you you lose them them three times and uh and you're 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 done that kicks you back to the beginning every time um in this particular case, though, it didn't really bother me as much just because I, I think that this cycle time weirdly informs what you normally uh, kind of hit on, which is that it kicks you all the way back to the beginning because you got more learning to do, son, you know, and there is enough because a lot of times when it kicks you all the way back to the beginning, you're like, oh, my God, I've done this. I've mastered it. I get it, you know, but y- you almost certainly haven't because you didn't get all of the power-ups, you probably only got like 10% of them, and this time you can get 20%, 30%. So, normally when you clear a stage, it says that you've mastered the stage, but in this case, you can clear the stage and have come nowhere near mastery of the stage, you know? So, each time, it's kind of like, the way I pictured it was there's, you know, kind of a curve for, you know, this is, if you want to win the game, this is the, 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 the slope that your curve has to be. But you can keep playing the game with your slope substantially less than that particular slope. You just simply will never win. You know, you will get to a point where you will hard lose and then you come back. But each time you can tweak that slope a little bit higher. So that's why I didn't find for me, I didn't find the cycle time too abrasive, even though nor if you had just straight up told me what the cycle time is, I'd be like, <laughs> no. Yeah, and, and and I think I had the same experience where I recognize, you know, because I mean, it's impossible to play a game for the show or any game now and not be like, I wonder how George feels about cycle time. This. <laughs> right? like, so it's it's very if you're if you're it's kind of like looking at static images of the game, right? If you look directly at the cycle time, you're like, Jesus Christ, it's so bad. Like you get kicked back to the beginning just because you screwed up three times. That's so brutal. But then when you're actually playing the game, you don't feel like it's punishing. You don't feel like you're being screwed. You don't feel like this. You might be annoyed, but over time it allows you to say, okay, this strategy was successful. This strategy was more successful or less successful than that other successful strategy. Right. And you, uh, you adjust that curve until you ideally eventually would win. And hopefully there's more than one strategy that would lead to success because not only are there, a handful of different, you know, weapons and the engine upgrades and stuff. But, you know, like you do actually then have to like drive the car, right? So if you're someone who's really spry 
Uh, maybe you spec into the shield and you don't ever really do missiles because you're like, hey, man, I'm a great driver. Like, I don't need I don't care about coming in first. I will come in first as long as I don't get blowed up by missiles. So I spec into the shield. I don't really care about shooting anyone else because nobody's in front of me. I'm in first. Ah, right. Nice. Like, like that would be a legitimate strategy that would still be different from another legitimate strategy of I'm not that great of a driver. So anytime someone's dumb enough to get in front of me, I explode them. Right. So that's like also a possible winning strategy, but still allows for a certain amount of differentiation that would keep the game from getting too samey and too boring. Well, and and I think though you kind of hit uh, in, in the nail on the head, which is that, um, Cycle times feel punishing where, you know, if you, for example, if you screw up three times, right? So let's take Mario, right? If you screw up and fall into a pit three times, right? And it kicks you all the way back to the beginning, no checkpoints, no nothing, right? If it kicks you all the way back to the beginning, that's frustrating. That's a frustrating cycle time, right? Um, But with this game, you have three lives. The failure spectrum is almost infinitely gradated, right? You know, like there's, there's almost an infinite amount of gray there because the thing is, by the time you've lost a life, you have been deep in the red on that failure spectrum for some time. You know, like you have made many, 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 many mistakes to the point when you finally lose a life. That probably means that you are on a court. First of all, that means that you have been doing poorly enough that you haven't bought so many insane upgrades that they are clutching your player skill to the, your avatar is so powerful that even if you, the player screw up several times, you still can't lose, right? So you've been playing moderately enough that, that you don't have the avatar strength to blow everyone out of the water. And on top of that, you would have had to have made several mistakes in that particular course to eventually pay the price of losing one life, right? So you can be that hard red on the failure spectrum many, you know, three times at least, well, twice, and then the third time it kicks you back, but you can get, you can get more lives, you know? Um, so... I think that that's what makes it feel less punishing is that it's not that you, you screw up three times and then you're kicked back to the beginning. It's that you screw up a tremendous number of times, but you can only, <laughs> you can only be so hard red in the failure spectrum three times before all of a sudden it's like, okay, you had a good run. Now try again. And it does feel more like each time it's, it feels like a run. It, it It's, it is closer to the feeling to me of like enter the gungeon. Now I know that's a roguelike, which way takes the bite out of being kicked back to the beginning because it's kind of new each time. But uh, it's just each time I played it, I was like, okay, how good's my run going to be? Because I didn't really feel like I was going to beat it. It's just, what's this run? How good did I do? You know? Well, and and I think that comparison is not that far off because uh, this game is four racers and it's always four racers. The question is just how many of those racers is people's? Right. So uh, I, I actually had to look this up. The thing that allows you to have four controllers on a Nintendo entertainment system, is called a four score, which I think is cute. Um, mm. But that wasn't invented and released until 1990, which means this game, the first game could not possibly have allowed four human players, but this game can have four human players. And that actually, to me, would increase the the social aspect, which in a game that has an upgrade mechanic sort of pushes it toward that weird roguelike territory because it's not the game that's different each time. It's the 
people that are different each time, right? Mm. So you're sitting there with your, you know, your your brother and your two friends or your neighbors or your cousins or whatever, and you convince one of them that, you know, shield, that's how you win, right? And so now you're encountering an enemy that has way more shield than you had in your last run, right? Because they are trying, you know, you goaded them into it or you convinced them or that was their decision because you kept blowing them up with your missiles up their butts, right? So like you do, the more human players you have, you would get a little bit of a, I'm starting from scratch. We're all starting from scratch. And this set of races is going to be totally different than the set of races we just did a minute ago. Right. Whereas against the CPU, I doubt the, even if they had more sophisticated, you know, memory and programming techniques, most racing games, the racers are fairly consistent because otherwise it would be maddening to be like, Oh God, it's just total randomness every single time. And I have no idea. You know, Donkey Kong always drives the same way, right? Mario always drives the same kind of way. Like human players can drive them differently, but the, the CPU has like a, a narrow range. So I, I don't, I don't, I mean, this game's obviously not a roguelike, but I would say that you do get feel. into, yeah, you get into a similar gameplay loop of, Oh, it's a little bit different every time, but it's the the human element that's making it different. Interesting. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, I have one other throwaway thing for gameplay. So Thro- throw it away. Uh, <laughs> is that no matter how many times you cross the finish line, uh, you know, like so when you cross it, it says like, one lap left. No matter how many times you do that, it tells you that. I just noticed that one time when oh, really? I was. When I was doubling back after I was taking my ball and going home, I crossed it and it said one lap left. I was like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> I just crossed it like three or four times. I was like, okay, that was fun. And I just because the, the other cars were right there watching me do it, you know, <laughs> and I feel like they were all like, look, I got families at home. I got I got, you know, there, there's there, there's a turkey at home waiting for me because I came in first. I'm like, no, nah, you're not going anywhere. I still got one lap, lap left. Now I have two. Now I have one. Now I have two. And so that was just kind of a huh. That that's how the mechanics of this game work is that when you cross that, that line, it gives you this note every time. Uh, it was a simpler time for, for programming. Um, <laughs> I, just, I have a, just a couple quick uh, throwaways. Um, the bonus games, there's bonus games in this uh, yeah. that where you have to do like a fast, like ABABABABAB, like a tug of war and a drag race. And I, I don't know, it's fine. It, it's a way to earn extra lives, but they're just like, they don't need to be there. It just feels like frosting on top of an already frosted cake. Um, <laughs> it's a hat on a hat. Yeah. Yeah. Hat on a hat. Totally. Um, the CPUs uh, drivers can still pick up one ups uh, when they're distributed on the race course. I know. Right. That's which, so insulting. Yeah. Which I decided <laughs> is uh, insulting is the right word for it. I decided <laughs> it's insulting because the CPUs <laughs> cannot phase out right yeah no they can lose an infinite number of times so yeah Yeah, so that that was pretty insulting um and the first time it's one of those things where like uh i can't remember what the source of this is but somebody's saying like you know when i saw a guile throw a sonic boom while backing up yeah that's when i knew the game was cheating like that's what this feels like it's like yeah Yeah, i I know other human players have to be able to pick them up but why are you allowed to pick them up you freaking android (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, it's <laughs> it's like it's like watching somebody who's allergic to tree nuts just taking all of the peanut butter off of the shelf and like throwing it into their cart and then throwing the cart into the river. You know, you're like, I, I could have eaten that. 
Um, the, the only other thing, just because I, I said that I would mention this and, you know, I'm a man of my word is, <laughs> uh, the planes, the biplanes, yeah. cause you know, this game has weapons and we didn't talk too much about the weapons because honestly, like it's not really that big of a part of it. They make it seem like it's a huge part of it, but it's really more about the driving. Um, there's biplanes in some of the levels that just fly over the course and drop bombs and the explosion hitbox is there, the explosion animation is way too long. So if you get anywhere near the little explosion animation, you you explode, right? So I didn't love that. And I, I kind of, I got good at serpentining a little bit and like avoiding the explosions. And like, I kind of, I was just like, all right, this is just a, it's the blue, it's another blue shell thing, right? Where you're just like, okay, I guess this is just a part of this racing game, whatever. Um, it's such a core part of the racing game that it's on the box art. And yes, I just, I kind of love that, that a kid would pick this up or their, their parent might pick this up and look at it and go like, huh? So what kind of game is this exactly? There's a biplane dropping bombs. There's a truck back there shooting a missile. There's gigantic excite bite style, like, you know, 90 degree angle ramps in the middle of this race course. Like what, uh, what, what, what is this? And I just, you know, I appreciate them putting it on the box. Cause then the first time you're in a level that has that, you can't be like, I didn't know this was going to happen. Well, and it does. And, and the fun thing that, that I found out is, uh, it is, it is not always a biplane. Sometimes it's a P 51, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> so what, what, what is happening? You know, like what, what weird death? Because this has got to be like uh, not Logan's Run. What's the one I'm thinking of with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Um, oh, um, uh, crap! You uh, know, yeah. Uh, yeah, Running Man, Running Man, Running Man. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say it's based on a Stephen King novel. Oddly enough, I, I, I was gonna say like we can we can we can edit out us <laughs> now we, going back and forth. Yeah, we we got there quick enough. It's Running Man. Yeah, yeah, it's Running Man. Yeah, we definitely aren't coming off of a five minute discussion that was edited out. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, it's what, what weird kind of running man universe is this where not only are you racing cause it's a racing game. All right. We're racing. That's cool. But where biplanes are swooping in and dropping bombs on you and everybody's just kind of like, no, that makes sense. Well, you, know? <laughs> you know what it is because it's RC program. So these are all like RC cars, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but this is the thing is, it's you and your three friends driving your dad's RC cars, but then your dad is the one, he's the only one who's allowed to fly the, the plane. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, you're outside playing with your friends and then occasionally your dad gets bored <laughs> and comes over and flies the plane over. See what I, 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 I literally, as you were saying that I was kind of piecing it, piecing it together. I got to 90% of the same thing you did, which was, all the same, like you're you're just sitting there doing RC racing cars with your friends, but you have the one jerk friend who didn't buy an RC car. He bought like a biplane. He's like, "Can I play too, gang?" And it's like, "No, we're playing RC cars." And it's like, "But but I've got a biplane." It's like, "No," and he goes, "Fine," you know. I mean, like this would be, I mean, because that's what Bucknell would have done, you know. Like that's what you know he would have just flown his biplane and then run the car off the road, and 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 we would been like, "What the hell, man? We were doing this." He's like, "Well, maybe next time, uh, maybe next time, biplanes are in the race." I know what to tell you. 
Yeah, maybe we should all go to the RC store at the same time, like I said. But you, <laughs> you four went together, and I had to go on the next Saturday. So I bought a plane, and now your little truck explode. Yeah, so you know, <laughs> take that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, man, did hold up. I do weirdly, yes, right? Like right? I, I really up until we were getting ready to start recording. So probably. You know, we've we've been at this for a little over an hour and twenty minutes. Uh as recently as ninety minutes ago, I still didn't know what my my rating was gonna be, but no nostalgia goggles required. It's a weird little game. It's it's super snackable, which I think is a big part of what makes it hold up, is that you could pick this up, play for five minutes, and then be done with it, or you could pick this up and I would encourage you to play with other people right like pick it up and play with your friends and just like a mario kart or a twisted metal like you'll laugh and you'll be you know trying to smack the controller out of each other's hands and like you'll just have a grand old time right like this game is very simplistic looking and certainly sounding but it really has a thoughtful design it's well uh, balance the mechanics are deep enough to be interesting without so complicated that you're like why am i playing kid icarus like it's it's just an interesting little weird it came later in history than it should have like i just yeah i i could recommend this like n- no nostalgia was required yeah, and that's i i think you kind of hit on the right tone of this game because i agree with you no no nostalgia goggles required um <laughs> it's it's just it's 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 just weirdly fun because the stakes are just for a game. Again, that kicks you back to the beginning every time. But I mean, even if you, even if you get 10, 15 courses in, you've only really probably sunk about five to seven minutes into that. Right. You know, so absolutely. This is a game where, you know, you'll be sitting there racing and I could totally just see you're just sitting there like giggling over the fact that, you know, a biplane just came through and hit you or, you know, you, you, you spun out on some oil or, you know, everybody else finished so you hard stopped at the finish line and and are just like oh what what are you gonna and and then all of a sudden like you're you're wrestling with your friend trying to get their controller to make them cross the finish line but they're like no no we're just gonna sit here forever you know like it's just got that kind of like weird just generic jackassery feel to it you know (laughs) to where yeah it's just it's just it's just kind of fun um and in the same way that you debated on on how to open this one i i and, and sometimes you know like because i always try to come up with the closing like as we're talking about it you know and sometimes i'm just swinging for the fences where i i'm i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm racking my brain but i actually have two good ones right you know which is uh you know when, when you mentioned memorizing pi i feel like i'd be remiss to say that pi isn't 3.14159265358979323846264338327950288 and i know the people listening don't know that i'm not necessarily staring at a computer that has it all up there but you can vouch for the fact that I've done that before. And, and you did that fast enough that it would be difficult to read a string of numbers that fast. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, 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 and it, back in the day, I used to tell people that, you know, my eighth grade teacher gave us a point of extra credit for everything that we memorized beyond 3.14. That was a lie. I did it for me and I did it for fun. Um, <laughs> More <laughs> uh, vulnerability. This has been a, a deep episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but but honestly, if 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 I want to close out the episode, it's RC program too good. The curtain falls, the music plays, 
The credits roll, then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself. The fanfare is gone. There's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head from the time that you spent traversing the land battling evil fighting the darkness just sword in hand your memories creep in with the edge of a smile you realize again what you lost for a while you're gonna think back much less 